Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I like the response. Thank you. So let's go ahead and address this. Uh, as he said, I'm the student pastor. Um, that means that I am used to people talking when I'm giving the message. Uh, so it's going to be really awkward. It's going to be really weird if that doesn't happen. So please, let's talk. Let's just have fun up here. Sound good? Sweet. So yes, as he said, I was raised here. Come true, uh, being able to be on staff here. I love my job, and I mean that wholeheartedly. It's it's awesome. I'm so grateful to be here, being able to do ministry at my home church with my amazing wife, who you saw a little bit earlier up here with me at the graduation. Uh, we're so, just awesome being able to be here. Awesome being able to share what God's laid in my heart today. I'm super excited about that. And so let's get started. Uh, have you ever drank something lukewarm? Like you ever drank something that's supposed to be hot or supposed to be cold, but it's like kind of in the middle of that lukewarmness? It's terrible, right? And so a couple of nights ago last week, I was working on my message. I was like, I was studying on it. I was praying about it. I was at home and I'm a big coffee drinker. So I had a nice cup of hot coffee right beside me. And so I'm sitting there and you know, when you're working on something, you're getting kind of like a roll, like everything's clicking, all the muscles in your brain are working at one time. Your fingers are typing what you're supposed to. I don't think I had to put backspace in like 20 minutes. It was awesome. I was clicking. It was going really good. And so I've gotten one of them rolls, gotten one of them clicks, and then I needed, I realized, I was like, all right, I need a little energy, a little recharge. So I reached down, took a sip of my coffee, and I legitimately spit it back out. Nasty. It's terrible. So I'm a big coffee guy, but when I say that, I mean I like a lot of cream with a little bit of coffee. And so when it got this, it was like I was drinking hot milk with cold coffee, and it's luke, it was nasty. Lukewarm stuff is not good. Have you ever drank it the other way, though? When you like, have something cold, you have like, maybe like an ice water or a soda that's really cold, and then you let it sit in the sun or you let it get warmed up and drink like a warm soda? Not good at all, right? It's not good. What's the worst thing to drink lukewarm? Sweet tea, milk. Milk's, that's came up a couple times. That, yeah, that's probably right. Online, we're so grateful to have an online campus with us. We're so grateful to have them join us. Online, if you're watching, go ahead and type in the comments to the chat box what the worst thing to drink lukewarm is. And so this concept of lukewarm, this concept of not hot, not cold, kind of that awkward, weird temperature in the middle, I think there's a point when we as Christians, when we as believers, when we as people can get to that lukewarm point. And here's what I mean. Maybe someone goes to church every single week, every Sunday they're at church, they're there every time, they don't miss a week, but their faith stops there. Maybe they believe in Jesus, but they go to church partake in worship, listen to the message, and then they stop there. They don't connect, they don't serve, they don't find a spot where they can fit in. Their faith just stops there. Don't hear me wrong, going to church every single week is super important. I don't want to downplay that at all. That's a vital part. Uh, But when all we do is go to church on Sunday morning, when all we do is watch a service online, there's net steps we need to take in order for us to be all in. See, we have part of it. When we get to the point where we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe He is our Lord, But our faith stops there. We don't share it with our community. We don't take it out outside of church. When we're the exact same or when we're completely different on Sunday mornings than we at any other time, when that's our faith, our faith is just part of it. We don't have what it means to be all in with our relationship with Jesus. And so for today, that's what I want to talk about. Today, I want to talk about what it means to be all in as our relationship with Jesus Christ. What it means to be all in in our faith with Christ. And so in order to do this, we're going to look into the book of Revelation. And so when I say the book of Revelation, there's probably some different thoughts, different stories, different meanings that come in your head. There's a lot of great stuff. But we're going to look at is in the earlier parts of it, John, who is the author of Revelation, he wrote seven letters to different churches. And inside these letters, he criticized them, he encouraged them, he put a lot of different material into them. And so we're going to look at the last letter. It was the letter to the city of Laodicea. 
And so this letter, it identifies and it specifically talks about what it means to be a lukewarm Christian. It literally, it identifies specifically what it means to be not all in for Christ. And so it opens up in chapter 3, verse 14 of Revelation, and says this. It says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. And so right off the bat, John's coming and he's like, hey, I'm writing this letter to you, but really God is the author. God is the one making these commandments. So we know from here on out, we know that it's Jesus' words. It's Jesus talking. And so we go to verse 15 and 16 and it says this. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one of the others. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so here we see Jesus calls them lukewarm. And in order for us to understand the passage as they would in this time when the letter was wrote, we have to make sure we go back and we look at what was happening in their city. So the city of Laodicea, it was, they didn't have any like strong natural water sources themselves. They didn't have any areas where they could get water for their town. So what they had to do is they had to pipe in water from other cities. They were almost directly in between two different cities. One was the city of Heropolis, and the second one is the city of Colossae. And so they're almost right in the middle of these. Heropolis was known for having extremely hot water. They had hot springs all around them, so they were known that all their waters was from those hot springs. And it was extremely purposeful. The hot water was therapeutic. They used it for cleaning. They used it for cooking. They used it for all different kinds of things, for therapy, for that kind of stuff. Extremely purposeful, extremely valuable water. And then this, the other city, Colossae, they were known for extremely cold. They were, no, they were up in the mountains. They were around snow and around ice. And so they were known for having extremely cold water that would melt off that snow. And again, that cold water was very purposeful. The cold water had a lot of different meanings, and it was very valuable to them. And so the problem came was when the town of Laodicea had to pipe in that water. By the time, So Heropolis, that hot water, was five miles away from Laodicea. So by the time they piped it into the town, that hot water that had so many good purposes that was so valuable, by the time it got to Laodicea, it had cooled off. It was back to this like lukewarm temperature. And so while they still needed it for the hot water purposes, they, Laodicea needed the hot water for therapy, for cooking, for cleaning, all that kind of stuff. But they couldn't have it because it was this lukewarm water. On the other end, Colossae, they were eight miles away. And so while they had this ice cold water, by the time they piped it into Laodicea from eight miles away, that cold water couldn't serve the cold purposes because it had warmed up. It had gone back to that lukewarm temperature. And so you see, Laodicea, they had a literal problem with being, having lukewarm water. They had a literal issue with all their water was lukewarm. They didn't have hot water. They didn't have cold water. But what Jesus says, when Jesus says this in verse 15 and 16, he calls them lukewarm. He understands they, this isn't just about the water. He's saying, not only are you lukewarm water, you're a lukewarm Christian. He's saying you're arrogant. Your purpose isn't there. He's saying you're missing out on your purpose. And that brings us to the first verse, or our first point. In order for us to be all in in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to make sure we're realigning our purpose. We have to make sure we're realigning our purpose. Because this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're in the middle. And that's unable to fulfill the purpose. And I think sometimes when we hear that, when we hear, hey, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're stuck in the middle, a lot of times we can think, oh, hot is good, cold is bad, lukewarm, you're on the fence, you're kind of good, you're kind of bad, right? I'm sure we've heard this before, but I don't think that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. See, I think Jesus was referring to more, hot has its purposes, right? The hot water had certain things that only hot water could achieve. But on the other side, 
cold, not less good, not less bad. It had its own purposes. There were certain things that only cold water could fulfill. When you're lukewarm, you can't achieve the hot purposes. You can't achieve the cold purposes. You're just stuck in the middle, and you're unable to fulfill either way. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you, don't, you have purposes for your life. The town of Laodicea had so many purposes that God wanted to use them, but because they were stuck in the middle of lack of purpose, they were unable to fulfill what God's call in their life was. And I want to make sure every single person in this room hears this. You have a unique calling on your life. Each and every one of you have a unique purpose that God has put you in the role that you're in. He's gave you the abilities. He's gave you the skills. He's gave you what you have in your role, in your life, put you in the role that you're in to accomplish a purpose that only you can fulfill. But when we're lukewarm, when our purpose isn't aligned with what God says, when our purpose isn't aligned with God's purpose, we're unable to fulfill the purpose that God has laid for us. And so we have to realign our purpose. And this takes us into the second point. It's Revelations 3, verse 17. And it says this, You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and naked and blind. And so once again, we, in order for us to understand what the verse is meaning, we have to look back at Laodicea. And so Laodicea was a town that was known for being extremely wealthy. They were known for their wealth. They were known for their riches. They were a very uh, wealthy city. And they had three areas of business that provided with them a lot of wealth. The first was banking. They had a banking system that was very, like, it was ahead of where their times. It was a large system where people would travel to just for their banking. The second one was clothes. They had a, very, a system that was very advanced in creating fabric and creating clothes. So that was helping them with a lot of business. It was, business was booming, you could say. And then the third was ophthalmology. They had a medical with ophthalmology is like doctors that study eyes. They had a program that was meant for eyes that was far advanced medically than any other place in their area. And so these three businesses, these three areas of business provided with them a lot of wealth, a lot of riches, a lot of treasure, a lot of success. And so the city, the people in the city were like, we have everything we need. We have all our possessions. We have all these different areas that are providing with us riches and treasures. We have what we need. We can settle exactly where we're at. And then Jesus comes in verse 18, and he kind of does a reality check. And this is what he says. He says, so I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you'll not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. You see, most of the people in Laodicea, they were extremely happy and satisfied with their life. They had their possessions. They had plenty of money. We are comfortable exactly where we are. And then Jesus comes and he uses these analogies that let him know if you keep holding on to these things, you're going to be let down. He says, you're banking. You're all super proud in your banking. You're proud in your treasures. You're holding close to that. If you only rely on that, you're going to be left poor. He says, you're clothing. You're proud of your fabric industry. But if you only rely on that, you're still going to be left naked. Your ophthalmology, your focus on your medicine for the eyes and all that. If you only rely on that, you're going to be left blind. Now, is Jesus saying that if you don't follow him, he's going to literally make us poor, naked, and blind? Probably not. But what he's saying is this. He's saying, look, you're relying so much on your own possessions that if you only hold on to your possessions, if you, if you keep what's yours separate from me, you're going to be left wanting more. You're going to be left unsatisfied. You're never going to feel the meaning. And that takes us to our second point. For us to be all in, you have to make sure you're realigning your purpose, and we have to reinvest our possessions. We have to take what's ours and put them back into the kingdom. 
And I think when we hear possessions, sometimes we can kind of think of our clothes, our cars, our houses, our money, the material aspect of life. But our possessions is so much more than that. Your possessions is your time that you have. Your possessions is your gifts, it's your abilities, it's your skills. Our possessions is everything about us that God has gave us in order to give back to his kingdom. Because here's the thing, everything about you, God has called and gave to you in order for you to be a resource in your life. God calls us to be good stewards of everything we have. Stewardship is the thing where we take in something that isn't ours, we manage it, we take care of it, and then we give it back. And that's what we're called to do with our possessions. We have to make sure we're reinvesting our possessions in order to be all in. So the other day I was listening, I was reading about this guy. His name's Jose Andreas. Has anyone ever heard of Jose? A couple of you, sweet. So Jose, he said he works with him. Maybe a different one. Uh, but this, so this guy, Jose, that I was reading about, um, he's a Spanish-American citizen. He's from Spain. Uh, he moved here in America in like the early 90s when he was in his mid-20s. And so he moved here with the purpose of being a chef. He's like, I want to be a huge chef. And so he, he honestly accomplished that. By the early 2000s, he had huge restaurants that he had started and created by himself in New York, in Washington, D.C., Miami, Orlando, Los Angeles, all over the country. He had these huge restaurants that he had created himself. And so he, on it, he got the reward. When you're good at something, start wealth and riches and resources start coming in. So Harvard reached out to him and asked him to teach some culinary classes. Uh, he was a guest appearance and guest a star on some shows like Top Shelf and some other big cooking shows. My point is that he was pretty big in the culinary world. And then in 2010, this huge earthquake happened in Haiti. I'm sure some of you remember it. It was a 7.0 magnitude earthquake. It was devastating. It caused over 200,000 people to die. And then it caused thousands and thousands of others to lose their resources, to lose their homes, to lose all their food, to not have anything. It was very devastating. It was a huge natural disaster. And so Jose Andreas, he decided, he said, I'm not just going to sit back and do this. So what he did is he got some of his people and got some of his resources, and he created something called the World Central Kitchen. And what it did was its purpose was to take food, prepare and cook healthy, filling meals, and then give them to the people of Haiti at no charge. Just give thousands and thousands of meals out. And so he used his possessions to be able to relieve a little bit of pain that these group of people were going through. But he didn't stop there. He kept World Central Kitchen going. And over the years, since 2010, he's helped people in Nicaragua. He's helped them in Peru. He's helped them in Bolivia and Dominican Republic. All over South America, Latin America, and even North America, he has helped people from natural disasters. Through COVID-19 pandemic, he helped relieve thousands and thousands of people by providing healthy meals in the United States and in Puerto Rico. I say all this to say because he was using his possessions. Uh, he started getting recognized for it. He was, he was a Nobel Peace Prize nominee. Uh, a president appointed him as the ambassador of naturalization. Since 2010, he has helped fill and give, or give meals and give aid to over one million people. And you know how he was able to accomplish this? He realized that his possessions, his gifts, his talents, his resources, his money, everything about him had a larger potential to make an impact than just building up his name. Everything he had had a greater impact, a greater potential to make an impact in the community than just building up restaurants. He reinvested his possessions into the community. And that's what we're called to do. 
Just as each and every one of us have a purpose, God has gave us different gifts. He's gave us different abilities. He's gave us our possessions so that we can build them up, so that we can be good stewards of them, and then reinvest them into the community. To be all in, we have to reinvest our possessions. And then the third part, we're going to move into the final part of the letter. It's verse 19, and it says this. It says, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. And I love this part because I think Jesus is being super direct. He's being concise. He's being straightforward. He says, look, I've called out some of your faults. I've called out some of the areas that you made mistakes in. It's because I love you. And then he ends it with, be diligent and turn from your indifference. Some versions say, be zealous and turn from your indifference. Some say, be passionate. But what Jesus is saying is he's saying, look, you don't care. He's saying, this group of people, you're so arrogant. You're so possessive. You're so all worried about yourself. Your care for the kingdom is gone. You're not passionate. And that takes us to the third point. In order for us to be all in, we have to realign our purpose, reinvest our possessions, and reignite our passion. We have to be passionate about the kingdom. Here's what I say when I mean the word passionate. Has any of you ever watched the NFL game in the middle of winter when it's like 20 degrees outside and snow, snow is pouring down? It's like one of the games that it's cold to watch on TV, much less to be there. Has anyone ever seen one of those? A couple. So then I, I love when I'm watching that, and then it zooms in on the fans in the stands, and it's always guys. It's always guys. And they have their shirts off, and they have the words painted across their chest. It's like, it's in this common sense tells us when it's cold, bundle up, right? And then here's these guys that have their chest painted just to support their team. That's passion. They're passionate about supporting their team. Passion are those areas. <laughs> I heard stupid. That's awesome. <laughs> Passion is those areas in life that we care about, that we love so much, that when, we're, when we hear them in the conversations, our ears kind of turn up a little bit. When you hear them in conversations, you start getting more involved. For instance, one of my passions in life is baseball. I love the game of baseball, from t-ball all the way to professional. I just, I love it. Could do anything about it. Uh, I have a favorite team. I'm a San Diego Padres fan. Go Padres. Uh, and so you might ask, okay, we'll ignore the booze. We'll move past them. But you might ask, why are you a West Coast team in North Carolina? I was born and raised here. It's because I follow a person. I have a favorite baseball player who I followed everywhere he's been. He got drafted in 2010 by the Orioles, and I was an Orioles fan. He got traded to the Dodgers. I was a Dodgers fan very shortly. Then he got traded to the Padres, and now I'm a Padres fan. His name's Manny Machado, super big Manny Machado fan. If he got traded to the, I'm just going to ignore it, move right past it. But if he got traded to the Atlanta Braves, I would be an Atlanta Braves fan. That's what my passion is following him and supporting him. I just, that's one of my passions. Taylor, though, my wife Taylor, uh, she cares nothing about baseball. If I turned on baseball, she would watch it because she loves me and only because she loves me. That's not her area at all. She, she, that's not what speaks to her. But if you talk about true, if you bring up crime, if you bring up true crime or cold cases or trials, oh, that's Taylor's life. That's, it speaks to her. It don't matter if it's a podcast, a movie, a book. She's all in it. That's one of her passions. My point is, is that our passions are those areas that when you talk about them, your voice gets a little higher. When you talk about them, you get excited. You lean into the conversations. It's the areas in your life that you sacrifice other areas so those can be a priority. And what God is saying here, what Jesus is saying in this letter, is that when it comes to the gospel, that should be our highest passion. You know, if you Google the definition of passion, one of the definitions that come up, I believe it's the second one, is Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. That Jesus' passion was us being able to spend eternity with him. His passion was us being able to experience salvation, so he sacrificed himself on that cross. 
And all he asked is that our passion is to be able to see his love, feel his love, and then send it. That's what he's commanding in this letter. That's the last way to be all in, is by letting our passion, our emotions, our joy, our energy, everything about us should be heightened and should be extended higher for anything else for the gospel. That should be where our passion lies. In order for us to be all in with Jesus Christ, we have to make sure we're realigning our purpose, reinvesting our possessions, and reigniting our passion. And so when I was told I was going to be able to give the chance to speak and come up here and share something with you, I knew I had to talk about something that affected my life. And so I was thinking, and I was praying about what to say, and I kept going back to one part of my life. It was right after I graduated high school. I was a freshman in college. And so I, I, it was a really tough year for me. I struggled a lot. Um, I was told growing up that I always had to be in church. If you're a Christian, you go to church. That's what you do. If you don't have a choice, you have to be in church. Just always repeat it over me. So my freshman year of college, that's the first thing my roommate and I did. We found a church. We went to one church. We didn't look around. We just picked one randomly, and that's where we went. Uh, we would go there every single Sunday, but when we would get there, we'd get there early, but we would sit in our car in the very back of the parking lot, and then literally one minute before service started, we would go inside, listen to the worship. As soon as we sat down, worship started. We timed it perfect, and then the pastor would start, and then as soon as the pastor said amen, we would bolt out. We would leave. We didn't make connections. We didn't serve. I wasn't going because I wanted to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I was going to mark it off a checklist. I didn't have any purpose of going. I was going just to go. And because of that, I lost a lot of purpose in my life. I lost passion. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know where my comfort was. I struggled a lot that year. But I can look back to the point in my life that changed it all. I can look back in the point in my life and say, that's the moment that I learned what it meant to be all in. Because I accepted Jesus. I knew Jesus as my Lord. But that's where I stopped. That's where my faith ended. So one week in my freshman year of college, it was in the spring, I was back home visiting my family for the weekend, and me and my dad went and played golf. And I remember we were on the golf course, we were parking the golf cart, getting out, and I got a phone call. I was like, who is this? So I answered, and it was a guy I honestly hadn't talked to that much. Um, I really didn't even know him. Y'all know him. His name is Pastor Greg. Uh, Pastor Greg called me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But I remember Pastor Greg called me, and I'm not going to lie, I I didn't know him that well. He moved, him and his family moved here a couple months before I graduated. I think they were here two months before I graduated. Then I went to college. So I think I maybe had three conversations with a guy, maybe, before this phone call. So he called me, and I'm like, what does he want? And so I answered it, and I remember what he said. He said, hey, we need a couple leaders in our student ministry, and I think you would be great as a middle school guys leader. My first reaction, What? <laughs> this guy that doesn't know me, this guy we've had maybe three conversations. He knows me, he knew me better than I thought he did. But he didn't know me, and I'm struggling. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I don't know where it am in life. But he says, Hey, you'd be great at serving with some middle school guys. So I did. I went and I saw, tested it out. I was like, Yeah, what can it hurt? So I went and tried it out a couple times. And immediately I saw a difference. Immediately I found this is my passion. I was able to realize this is my purpose. That was five years ago. Who would have thought that that simple phone call while I was on a golf course would lead to me to be able to lead that same student ministry now? And it's not because anything I did. It's not because anything Pastor Greg did. It's because God has a unique plan for each and every one of us. And as soon as we give, as soon as we realign our purpose, as soon as we reinvest our possessions, as soon as we reignite our passion, God will make those doors fly open. And that's what I want to challenge each of you to do today. Christianity isn't a country club. You hear it all the time. Upward Christian Fellowship isn't about putting people in seats. 
Pastor Andy says it all the time. We're here to build his church by transforming our community. And that's our purpose. I want to challenge each and every one of you. Find somewhere that you can serve. Find somewhere that you can plug in and get involved. And I'm not saying it has to be here on campus. You don't, if you want to serve here on campus, that's awesome. We'll celebrate that. But we're not here to build up this church. We're here to transform our community. We have so many partners that if you come find us, we can get you plugged in with an organization, with a business in our community to be able to transform our community. Because we're, not he- we're here to be able to experience God's unconditional love for us and then take that love into our community. And when you serve, when you serve and you get plugged in, those three areas before, they come true. When you serve, your passion starts reworking and it starts realigning with God's passion. When you serve and get plugged in, you're reinvesting your possessions by giving your time, giving your skills, giving your effort, giving your care to something that advances the kingdom. When you serve, you're reigniting your passion and you're letting God be the spark. You're letting God's passion be the forefront. When we serve, God shows us what it's like to be an intentional follower of Jesus Christ and to be all in. Let's pray. With every, nobody looking around, every eye closed, I want to make sure you have an opportunity where if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ for the first time, if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day to say, Jesus, you're my Savior. There's no magic formula. There's no special prayer that you can say. All it takes is by letting Jesus be the Lord of your life. Letting Jesus Christ be the one that leads your life. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for today. We're so thankful for every single person in this room. And God, I just want to pray that every single person in here, no matter where they are, no matter what life is like, they could hear your call on their life. They could find their purpose. They could find the passion that you have laid in their life and be able to thrive in those roles. God, for anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that today could be the day that they could accept you, that they could find you as their Savior. They could feel Jesus' love. God, I pray you would give all of us the boldness, the confidence to be able to take Jesus, to take your love, and share it in our community by finding somewhere to get plugged in. So in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't it awesome to be able to celebrate, gather together as one church, as one body of Christ, and worship God? Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Before we go, I just want to say a quick blessing over you. God, I pray that each person here could be fully devoted to you, could be all in and walk in your path, keep your commandments, and show your love. And as we leave today, I commission us to be able to go in our community, go in our worlds, go in our circles, and show your love. Show, spread Jesus, spread you into our world. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.